Hey there, friends. You are listening to How to Live the Podcast, where we have real, meaningful, and fun conversations with people who inspire us, and sometimes we just have them with each other. We are your hosts, Jess and Steph Dadon, and we are very excited to be chatting to you today. Guys, I've had some revolutionary stuff happen to me over the last couple of weeks. Have you? Do tell. So I just realized that I don't like laugh that much in my daily life, especially because I feel like because I'm at home lately, I'm really noticing that I'm just in my own space and I just don't laugh enough. And I love laughing and I feel like I'm not a super laughy person, but I have the capacity to laugh a lot. But we just don't that much when we're like sitting in our own homes, not doing that much other than staring at a computer screen. You're so right. Yeah. Okay. What are you doing about this? So I recently watched Ali Wong's Netflix special. She has two on. I've only watched one of them, but I'm sure they're both great. And I was just laughing so hard the whole time. So I ended up downloading her book. And now every night before I go to sleep for like 15 minutes, I just lie in bed and I read a chapter and I just laugh hysterically. And it is so much fun. Fun. Oh my God. I love this. And I actually just realized that I had a New Year's resolution this year to get into comedy more and laugh more. And then obviously all New Year's resolutions went out the window in 2020. But I meant to go to the comedy festival a lot in Melbourne, which was in April. And that has just come and gone. And I have not been laughing enough. So I love this. I love laughing. I'm going to get into comedy too. Yeah. I feel like you and I laugh so much together, but because I'm not around you that much or at all anymore, actually, I don't really have a laughing buddy. Elliot doesn't really laugh. So Ali Wong is now my new laughing buddy. Oh, I've been replaced, but she can have my place until I am back. Also, I love, and I know we both love listening together to Amy Schumer. Like anything Amy Schumer does or says is the funniest thing I have ever heard or seen. Oh, is there anything better than like when your belly laughs from laughing? Oh, it's such a good feeling. So good. Okay, let's get into who today's guest is. So today we have on a warm, beautiful, incredible guest. And that is Alira Potter. Alira is a self-described sassy spiritual gangster who reads your mind and heals you. She is also an incredibly proud Yorta Yorta woman and she is bringing in her Aboriginal culture and blending it into this unique style of healing that she does. We learn so much from Alira. She gives incredible life advice and we are so excited to share this one with you. Stick around till the end of the episode to hear what we'll be chatting about next week on the podcast. And here is Alira. Well, we're really excited. We are big fans of you and we have so much stuff we wanted to ask you about that's really serious Mm. and interesting, but we thought we'd start with a dumb question. We saw that you love Harry Potter. Oh my God. And we've seen you refer to your day job as your muggle job. And that you have a cat called Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. And that your last name is in fact Potter. Mm, It's a trend. I have to keep this trend going. So the next animal that I get has to be Harry Potter related 
name of Hedwig. Course. You could get an owl. Yeah, I literally could. I mean, I saw this cat the other day in a shelter and it was Crookshanks. Am I supposed to get this cat? Is this meant for me? And it was a ginger too. And I love gingers. That's a sign. If it's still there, then maybe I'll go back and just be like, that's my baby. Come on home to mama. <laughs> That's what happened with Jess, how she got a cat. We were shopping in Chadston and don't at all usually condone pet stores Mm. having animals in a shopping centre, but they were actually working with a rescue organisation and there was just this rescue cat sitting there. This is the cutest cat ever. You need it. We named her Snow White instantly. Yeah, I have a video of the moment we saw her and Steph goes in the background, we're going to call you Snow White. I ended up going back a few days later and getting her and now I've had her for a couple of years and her name's Snow White. I love that. The animals pick you. You don't choose them either. It's just like you're drawn to them. So that is so sweet. So something else that struck us about you other than the Harry Potter fanage was that you seem to have lived many lives and have Mm. many careers and there was running people's Instagrams, I think, and there was a food Instagram, there was Uh a photography. So we kind of wanted to get a sense of your story and how all of these things kind of fit into your life. It's so crazy because I'm such a multifaceted human being. I do so much because I love doing so much as well. I literally just spoke to someone today and I said, I could write a memoir right now because I've gone through those typical sort of things that a lot of humans go through. I lost my mom when I was 17 to cancer. I got married when I was 21, now divorced. I've started all these like businesses. I've had my hand in so many honeypots. Basically, I can't say no to anything. I say yes to everything. And I'm like, the lived experiences have sort of shaped me to where I am today. Yeah, that's a pretty amazing attitude to have. And definitely good things come to you when you are open to them. And so much of your life now is about spirituality. So we were really interested to ask you whether this is something that's been in you and you've always been a really spiritual person. Mm, Yes. So it's a really funny story. So growing up, my mum was a typical witch in that scenario back in the day she would go to her little witchy circles and things like that and I was like no this is not real I don't believe this stuff and she was like "Mm -hmm, wait till you're older like you'll understand and sure enough when she passed away she sort of handed the bible so to speak her oracle cards and they sat with me for oh years and years and years and then probably about three years ago stuff sort of started happening I was picking up on messages and I was really sort of tapping into this intuition that I didn't know I had and that was when I actually separated from my ex-husband I was like oh okay there's more to me than sort of surface level and then everything just opened up and it just has created this roll-on effect and this ripple effect of all this spiritual goodness just dropping on in and I love to say to people I'm not your typical spiritual wholesome person. I am real raw. I'm like the bogan spiritual kind of gal. People love that because I would just say it like it is rather than just being like, oh, it's all love and light over here when I'm like, no, it's not. (laughs) Yeah. You like to keep it totally real. It's really interesting that you weren't into this stuff at all. And then you found it because we were exactly the same. Mm. What the hell is gratitude? What the hell is this whole love and light scenario? And are people just being really fake? You know, when you're not in it, you're like, what's going on over here? And maybe it is just the thing that comes to you when you're older. Because for us, our parents weren't ever into that. And I just assumed Mm. if we all brought our kids up this way, that they would always be into it. Was your mum always into it? Or did she find it later in life? Do you know? 
she found it later in life. And I think it sort of helped her with her cancer journey as well. She sort of was able to tap in and utilize that a little bit more. But yeah, I just was like, that's not real. Ghosts aren't real. Witches aren't real. Like spells aren't real. And then here I am sitting here the other night at home being like, I'm going to cast a spell on someone because they were just annoying me. And I was like, who am I right now? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think as we get older, being a human is hard and growing up is hard and Mm. everybody goes through different hard things in life. And I think that through finding wellness and spirituality, it gives you this outlet. It's almost like a roadmap of it doesn't have to be this hard. There are tools, you know, just like we go to school to get our education. When you find this and you start to be like, wow, okay, there are like people that mentors in a spiritual and a wellness way that can help me feel better. And there are tools that can help me feel better. Once you start to open up to it, you're like, I need more and more and more of this. So how did you go from finding this wellness space to actually becoming a healer yourself? Yeah. So, well, everything just sort of opened up one thing after the other. So someone said, go and do your Reiki practitioner course, which is the energy healing. So I went and did that. And I was like, this feels just like second nature because in the Aboriginal community, there's lots of healers. We're like natural born healers. So it just felt really natural for me to do. So I did that course, trained in that, and then I did my meditation teacher training. And then from then on, it just was like, okay, what next? How can I do more and like be better? So I just kept self-developing, so to speak. In what ways are you setting out to change the wellness space? I think it's such an incredibly interesting time in the world right now with the Black Lives Matter movement getting the attention that it is right now. It's such an interesting thing, this collision with the wellness space, because obviously so many of these practices do come from Indigenous peoples Mm. and have been taken and being taught by white people. So in what way do you want to play this part in changing the wellness space? You literally like hit the nail on the head. If people are recognizing that the things that they're doing are so, they are from say yoga, India. Like I don't think people realize, they wouldn't realize it's from India, so to speak. They would think it's just this westernized thing, but because we've made it so westernized, it's like they wouldn't even think. I guess for me coming into this space, I want to make sure that I'm leading the way for change. So the young mob behind me are able to walk into culturally safe spaces. I want to know that when yoga teachers open up studios or meditation studios, are they doing an acknowledgement of country or welcome to country? How are they connecting with the community, so to speak? I just feel like with everything that is happening, now's the time for people not to make a knee-jerk reaction, but to make small little changes within their business spaces to be like, okay, how can I be more culturally aware? And it doesn't necessarily have to be Aboriginal culturally aware, it can be as simple as, okay, well, where does yoga come from? Let's embrace that within our studio space. Let's show more like, let's connect with the Indian community. If people are coming into it more culturally aware, then that's going to make a huge difference. So that's how I want to change the narrative just to sort of be that spokesperson and say, okay, this is what we should be doing or we could be doing. Like, why don't we have more black representation within this space? Why is it so white? I love making people uncomfortable when I say that. I'm like, why is this space so white? Mm. It blows my mind. And I love what you said there as well about it not being a knee-jerk reaction, but it actually Mm. being really thought out and thoughtful because I think that's the key here that right now 
maybe it feels like we should just be making those knee-jerk reactions, but that's when it won't last. That's when burnout happens. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like too fast, too quick. That's it. So really being thoughtful and meaningful in the actions and the steps that we're taking in order to make them long lasting rather than here for a moment and gone tomorrow. Yeah, that's it. And that's the conversation that I'm having with big brands at the moment. So I'm actually getting contacted by lots of activewear companies being like, we want to work with you. And I'm like, that's great. Tell me why all of a sudden you want to work with me? Why are you wanting to do this? What are you going to do long-term? I said, you can't do a short-term fix. It's not going to work and people are going to hate it. People are just going to throw absolute shade at you and especially in the social media space. So the one conversation that I've had with a very big worldwide activewear brand the other week was, well, if you want to use me, then it's got to be done long-term and it's got to be me actually coming into that space and changing the narrative with you, not just me being the face of. So many things that you've said there that we want to kind of go into more. Mm. One of the questions that we had is how are you bringing in your Aboriginal heritage into your healing work? With the healing work that I'm doing, so I say to people like I'm a Reiki practitioner, that's what I'm trained to do. When I do have healings with people, I've got everything all set up there, but I try and incorporate culture as much as I possibly can. So I've got traditional clap sticks that I use to sort of clap out negative energy. I'll play Aboriginal music, but I say to people I'm not a traditional Aboriginal healer, which we do have within our space. I'm just an energetic healer who happens to just be Aboriginal and bring in that cultural element, which I think is beautiful because it's adding something different to the space. Really beautiful. I find it so interesting that in Australia, there's a lot of yoga and there's a lot of using these healing techniques in our wellness space from overseas and from other countries and other cultures. But I saw an incredible First Nations woman called Lydia Fairhall. She's a leader in the arts. I saw her speaking last year and she was talking about how In Australia, the First Nations people here are the oldest culture in the world. And she was saying that when the elders here go and meet with elders from other places, Australian elders are really revered. And she was saying what a shame it is for Australians Mm -hmm. that we've really missed out on being enriched by Aboriginal culture. Yeah. And I was so excited to hear about you fusing those things do you feel like there's an opportunity and I don't want to use the word opportunity as if it's Mm. just opportunistic in a way that is honoring and respecting Aboriginal culture for it to be brought more into the wellness space within Australia 100% and the way that it is absolutely terrible what has happened in America and the fact that someone had to die for a ripple effect to happen in Australia kills my soul but the way that everyone is thinking now, it's like, great, mindsets are changing. How can people bring in Aboriginal culture within their spaces, whatever that may be? I know the creative space has been shaken up by this too, not just the wellness space. So it's a matter of people being open and open-minded and open-hearted to bringing in that cultural awareness and seeing how they can implement it within their businesses. Yeah. There's so Mm. many opportunities. It's back to that knee jerk effect. Like so many people are just like, oh my God, we've got to rip every campaign down and put black people everywhere. And it's like, no, like one step at a time, there is opportunity for change, but it's just a matter of changing it to small little increments. That's all we need. You also mentioned acknowledgement of country Mm -hmm. there. And 
We would love to ask you about that. So for people who don't necessarily know, at the beginning of events held in Australia, it's very common for either an Indigenous Australian person to come and do a welcome to country mm-hmm. or non-Indigenous people to give an acknowledgement of country and acknowledging the traditional mm-hmm. owners of it. And it's really, really beautiful if you're in an event and, and there is a welcome to country given by an Indigenous Australian person. But I'm interested to hear from you how you feel about an acknowledgement of country if you feel like that is the right thing to be doing. Yeah, definitely. Honestly, I say to businesses, if you can do a welcome to country and connect with the community and the land that you're on, 100% do that. Like you're forming a relationship and a long lasting relationship. In terms of an acknowledgement, I say to people, do it. Like do your research and find out how you can do an acknowledgement for your business or before a meeting or anything like that. I mean, I can't do welcome to countries because I'm living on Motherong land. So I'm Yorta Yorta, which is like northeastern Victoria. But I will go to events and I'll do the acknowledgement and acknowledge the traditional owners of the Wathaurong community. So I say to people, if you have the guts to do it, so to speak, because I know it makes people uncomfortable, then do it. Like you're creating a beautiful relationship and you're respecting the community and the land that you're on. Mm, When I was at that event that I mentioned where Lydia Fairhall spoke, it was in Byron Bay last year. The person who was a white guy gave the most beautiful acknowledgement of country that I've ever heard where it wasn't just words because, you know, sometimes at a corporate government event, it just Mm. sounds like words and they're ticking that one off. But he really took the time to speak from the heart and acknowledge that the country that we're on and Mm. the traditional owners of that. And I really, really connected with that. When you actually take the time to think of that, it's really powerful. Yeah. Not just to say the words, but to feel the words. Mm. That's it. And take your time saying it and really just exactly what you just said. And it can be as simple as you just acknowledging the land that you're on, but then sort of popping in your own little words and really feeling into it. So you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. In terms of the Aboriginal culture, we hear a lot about this connection to the land and the Mm. connection to country. And I think that that's something that in the Western world, we don't do it all. We just shit on the land and shit on the country, basically. And we can see that now with everything that's going on with the environment. So we wanted to talk to you and get an insight from you on what that connection really means and what it feels like and what Mm. it looks like. Yeah, I love this because I'm actually going back on country in a couple of weeks to reset and ground myself. I mean, anyone can ground themselves. It's a matter of you getting outside in nature. But I think for Aboriginal people, we're so connected to land. If we aren't back on country at least a couple times a year or we're living off country, we're going to be so out of whack. I think a lot of people forget spiritually how connected we are to the land is a really important thing for us so I'm really glad yeah in a couple of weeks I'll be off the grid for four days and back on country just to reset just to get connected and grounded so then I can just come back and be like okay what's the next phase in my life so to speak but a lot of people like you know non-indigenous people would use meditation as, as that form but for me it's like going back on country stripping everything back which is beautiful. So the connection's strong and I don't think a lot of people realise that. I don't think I ever really understood it until I started to really take care of myself and I realised 
the connection to nature that I have and that, you know, the way that nature makes me feel and just getting a small insight Mm -hmm. into that idea of connection to country is really beautiful. It's really important for Aboriginal people to go back home, especially if they are living off country and away from their families. There's a disconnection. We're connected to our culture, but we're disconnected from the land. So it's important for us to go back on country and reset. Yeah. So we would love to talk to you a little bit more about what a healing looks like. Reiki is a really interesting one. It's funny that you got in through Reiki. It's sort of like the one thing non-spiritual people accept, a massage and a Reiki. Yeah, yeah. Your massage therapist might just be like, I'll do some Reiki on you. And you're like, oh, okay. okay. And you'll just lie there. Yeah. Yeah. But then the second you're like, you know, I'm doing like a healing, people like, whoa, 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 that's too far for me. But they were okay with the hovering hands. Yeah, yeah. What does a healing with you look like? Can you like see people's energy? Mm. How do you like tune into someone as well? What are your witchy powers? Oh, my witchy powers are incredible. So pre-COVID, I would have people come to my space and I would use a massage table and same thing. It's just that energy work with hovering over, but I prefer to put my hands on people because that's when I can feel people. It's a matter of me coming in and removing any blockages. So that could be any blockages, maybe mentally or physically as well. I've had lots of lots of well-known people come to me just because they're like struggling and they want to sort of go to that next phase in their life. So I'll come in and do my little witchy work. But while I'm doing my work, I'm using things like crystals to unblock things. I'm using sage. I'm then using my clapsticks. I'm playing music. And then I'm also tuning in and listening to any messages that might come in as well too. I'm so interested in that intuition, energy side of things. Was it something that was taught to you? Did you have to learn to tap into it? Did you always have it and you just kind of awakened to it? Always had it and always was like, no, that's just my mind making up stuff. And then the last couple of years I started receiving messages. Now I sort of started questioning and speaking to other psychics and saying, hey, is this is this my brain or is this like messages coming on in? And they're like, no, that's messages. Just say that you're open to receiving. And one day I was like, I'm open to receiving now, like come on universe. And then every time I do a psychic reading on someone, it'll come in like a verbal diarrhea. The amount of pregnancies that I've picked up this year, it's insane. It's insane. And past loved ones have started coming to me as well. So when like a past loved one comes to me, I'm like, okay, I know their loved one is going to book in with me so then I can pass on the message. And I had, this was really a bizarre story, but I was in bed one night and this little boy came to me and people are like, this is crazy. And I'm like, no, he literally came to me and he just wanted me to give his mum the message of, hey, tell mum I'm okay. And this boy was maybe five years old. And I was like, okay, this woman's going to like ring and she's going to book in with me. And it was someone I had to put a post on social media to be like, hey, this little boy's come to me, someone within my followers, this is your son. And sure enough, the messages will come through because you're connected to someone somehow. And it's beautiful. It's so nice. It did take me a lot to sort of adjust to the messages coming in, the spirits coming to me, because it sounds a little bit cuckoo, but you know, it's all pretty intense. It sounds cuckoo. Like I have goosebumps from your story. That is just absolutely incredible. But I think when everybody thinks back in their life, like a lot of people have had things happen to them. Before I was into any of this stuff, 
I used to see ghosts all the time. I would just be like, you know, Jess, by the way, there's like totally a ghost woman that's like living <laughs> like outside, outside your bedroom. Outside my bedroom. I like that. I saw her all the time, but you don't really think about it and mm. you, you just kind of dismiss it like, oh, I must be crazy. Yeah, or, you think, oh, I must be crazy or even like a gut feel. Yeah. And I love to like just bring it back to that gut feel because I think that that's something that every single person can relate to. It's like, why do you recognize a gut feel, but you don't recognize intuition? Aren't they the same thing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We all recognize intuition when you just meet someone and you're picking up on like Mm -hmm. someone's a bit shady. That's intuition. And this is just using that and tapping into it even more. So when we had the psychic medium on the podcast, Laura Lynn Jackson, she's just incredible. While I was editing the episode Mm. and she teaches people how to tap into their own intuition, I started to really tap into that a lot more. And we had this meeting where this guy came in to talk to us about how we could reduce our carbon emissions. Awesome. And he said, oh, I'm doing it with a really big company. And I just went, oh, with Target, his jaw like dropped. And he was like, (laughs) why did you just say that? And I was like, oh, I have no idea, but very clearly it was Target. From his reaction, I nailed it. When those things happen, Mm. it's so cool. And it is something that everyone has within them on some sort of a level. It's just that trusting, trusting what you're feeling and what you're seeing or hearing, so to speak. And I say to people, like, if you're seeing repetitive numbers or songs are coming on on the radio, that's messages. I love sort of saying to people as well, that whole butterfly effect thing too. It's all happening for a reason. People are trying to connect with you. Spirit's trying to connect. Just trust it a little bit more. It's when you say, I'm not interested, that's when they're like, okay, well, you're not ready. But when you're open to it, that's when it'll all happen. It's scary. It's overwhelming, but it's so much fun. (laughs) Does it ever get too scary or too overwhelming? Is it exhausting if, you know, this little boy's coming to you and you're like, mate, like I'm trying to chill. I'm watching Netflix. It's Sunday night. Like leave me alone. Literally. So a lot of psychics and intuitive readers, they would have exactly what I do. You say you're only open within certain spaces. So I say to spirit, you cannot come to me when I'm in the bathroom or I'm in the bedroom. But this little boy came to me while I was in bed. So I was like, that's okay. But you have to have boundaries. You really have to have boundaries because otherwise they'll just all come to you and be like, okay, we're ready to chat. It's exhausting, but because I'm such an energy feeder, I feed off other people's energy. So I could be like, on my deathbed. But after this conversation, I'll be like, woo, I'm like adrenaline up. So yeah, (laughs) it's exhausting, but it's not. I love that you have to have boundaries with ghosts, just like you have to have boundaries with people. It's just healthy. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yes. So we touched on earlier that love and light mentality and you love to keep it super real and say, this is actually how it is. But Mm. there is an element of it all that's love and light. But what people maybe sometimes don't realize is you got to get through the shit first and you've actually got to work out your stuff. Do the shadow work, I guess, before Mm. you can kind of find that more pleasant way of living. Yeah. So what do you feel like is the best way for people to start to access that and weed through some of their more scarier demons? Yeah. I say to a lot of people, I get this question a lot, start by meditating. It's as simple as you just listening to music, tapping in, 
feeling what you're feeling, that's how you're going to bring up a lot of stuff too. Don't do the intense rabbit hole thing and jump on YouTube and be like, I want to do my shadow work because that's when you're going to like fuck yourself up. You need to just do small little things because it's bringing up a lot of trauma at the end of the day with that whole love and light thing. When I was doing my shadow work, it was intense. There was days where I was just crying and crying and crying, but I just, you have to release all these emotions to sort of get to the love and light part. The meditation is the key thing. Yeah. If you're kind of not ready for it and you haven't done much of this work before and you just dive into the deepest part, hearing you speak and I'm thinking about it and I have friends that have done it, you often end up getting trapped in your mind a little bit too much and you start to try to think about your childhood and bring up all these childhood memories and then your mind tells you that you need to solve all these issues when a lot of it is just things that are stored in your body that need to be brought up first. It can Mm -hmm. kind of be a process and a progression rather than just going all in at once. Exactly. Because if you go all in, you're going to bring up so much stuff. It could end pretty badly because there's so much trauma. And when I went into my shadow work, I looked at it from the perspective of I'm not just healing my, say, childhood trauma. I'm bringing up intergenerational trauma as an Aboriginal person. So I'm bringing up ancestral trauma. So I had to be really conscious of when I was doing the shadow work and it had to just be small little bits. It was the meditation. It was the journaling. I stopped drinking alcohol. I was like, this is it. Clean slate. have to just deal with it, so to speak. But that is my advice. Just slow and steady while you're doing it. Don't go in head first because it can just fuck you up. would love to know what advice you kind of have for people around following your passions from somebody who really seems like they're very good at (laughs) going out and doing what you love. I just am not scared. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? You fail and then you have to start again. So what? So be it. Ask for support if you need it. Utilize your resources. I just feel like life's too short to just be anything but mediocre. Like, why would you want to just live your life like that? Just do it. Just go and do it. And that's what I say to my friends. I'm like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You fail. Yes, I love that advice. It's so important for people to hear that. And again, like it comes back to a confidence thing and people might be like, oh, but it's okay for her, but it's not okay for me. But I think it's Mm -hmm. so important for people to know that we're all out here. The doubts still roll in, but it's up to you as an individual to be like, no, no doubts, not today. I'm just going to like keep on Mm -hmm. moving. That's it. It's those limiting beliefs because I'm studying to be a life coach too, so mindset coach. And I say to people, I'm like, it's about changing your mindset. You can do anything. You can. And I hate when people are like, you can't do everything. And I'm like, watch me because I will and you totally can too. It's just changing your mindset, 100%. Love that. So we would love to ask you some life coachy advice. What are some of the simplest things that you think people can implement in their lives to improve them? change your mindset. If it's a a shit mindset, you need to change it. It's all about perception. How do you change it? Easy. It's just about those little incremental things that you do every day. It's like change the, well, why can't I to yes, I can. It's that simple. It's just changing the wording. Another piece of advice is the values thing. I feel like a lot of people don't utilize their values enough. They can help you with so much from issues to problems to opportunities, revert back to your values. Just be yourself. It's such simple advice, be yourself, but it's really like something that maybe as you get older, you start to understand more, but when you can really embrace that and be yourself, 
there's such a freedom that comes from that. I think people don't realize that they have permission to be themselves. Mm. I think that society, no matter who you are, really tells you that you need to be somebody else. So, so many people waste so much time chasing that Mm. the whole time. It was right inside them anyway. That's it. Like the comparing thing. And I know a couple of my friends are like that. They'll compare their lives to other people's lives. And it's like, everyone is entitled to their own journey and everyone is on their own journeys. Therefore, we're not all going to be on the same path. Imagine if we were on the same path, we'd all be like trotting along together. We all have our own capabilities and capacities. So one thing at a time sort of thing, and just don't compare your life to other people's lives. Everyone's Mm -hmm. destined for their own unique ability and they have their own capabilities. Just the comparing thing I think is probably the hardest thing, especially for women too. It's like that's the worst thing that we can do for our minds. It's like, well, how come they are like doing that and I don't have that? Don't think of it like that. <laughs> well, do you totally. have any tips to get out of that comparison mindset if someone's really stuck there? Take a moment to observe what is good in your life at the moment. It's like take yourself out of your life, observe it from above and just be like, okay, What's not working at the moment? Where can I add more value? Where can I sort of get rid of some things? It's just, we don't need to compare. And we have to remember that social media is such a key player in us comparing our lives to everyone else's and no one has their shit together. I don't care if you're Beyonce or if you're like someone like me, no one has their shit together. It's that simple. So I feel like if people can go into it with the mindset of it's okay of where I'm at, then you'll be able to just trek a little bit better, so to speak. Mm. But you're so right that no matter how much you want to get out of that comparison mindset, you just pick up your phone, which Mm. you're on a hundred times a day and you start scrolling through Instagram and that's what they want you to think, you know, that's what they want you to feel. And I think that there's such a disconnect between that. And we've gone through periods of time where we've had, you know, detoxes from social media Mm. and deleted Instagram for a while. And if someone is feeling stuck there, there's nothing like getting off Instagram for an extended period of time to take you out of that mindset. That's it. But I also say to people too, remember we can curate our feeds. We can add who we want to see. So if we're not agreeing with someone or we're comparing ourselves to a certain influencer or celebrity, unfollow them. It's like at the end of the day, we get to change that narrative of our feed so we can curate it to however we want. When you were talking about zooming out and looking at your life, it kind of reminded me of a business. And I started to think, imagine if as a business, all we did was sat around and we were like, oh shit, what, look at what that competitor's doing. Look at what this person's doing. I could never be like that. You never get anything done in business. Instead, you look at your business, you're like, all right, what's working here? What's not working? What do we have to do to get to where we want to be? Let's do some team building exercise, which is the equivalent of personal growth. When we apply that to life, spending so much time in your life and and maybe you're only realizing it listening to us speak about it right now, but if you are spending so much of your life comparing yourself to other people, then what are you going to do about it? That you don't have to be stuck in that way. You can change things. That's it. Exactly. It's the mindset. Well, I think focusing on yourself is where it all begins and everything you do with the healing and and the shadow work and the love and light, (laughs) giving yourself some self-care. It's okay. We all need to do that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, real inside self-care, not that manicure, pedicure bullshit Mm -mm. that society tells us we're supposed to view as (laughs) self-care. 
Yeah, no, go and journal, go and write your shit out. Like it's that simple. I'm all for that inner work. We do wrap up all our interviews with quick fires. So we'd love mm. to ask you some real quick. Mm-hmm. First one is what is your favorite Geelong cafe? Oh my God. Oh, Kilgore Grocer. <laughs> Kilgore Grocer. It's like two minutes away from me. The most beautiful thing you've ever taken a photo of? Harry. Definitely has a. What is your favorite healing ritual? Oh my gosh. Having a bath with salts and just sort of switching off. That's like a really good little healing ritual for me. Grounding. Mm. Mm. And the last one is what's the funnest thing about your job being your healing job, not your muggle job? The amount of connections that I get to make with people. I get to meet different people every single session. That's the best bit because I'm such a people person. (laughs) This was fantastic. Thank you so much. My pleasure. So good. I feel like we learned so much. Good, good. Thank you. That was the incredible Alira Potter. Wow, I just love all of that life advice that she gives. And I love the way she just gives it with a big smile. Nothing's too serious and she loves to have a good laugh. So really, really hope you enjoyed hearing from Alira today. And also a PSA to let you know that she is doing Zoom sessions, like her healing sessions, but online. So if anyone wants to get an appointment, I think she sells out very, very quickly. And I'm going to go and try and get myself one. Mm, Good call. You can check her out on Instagram at alira.potter, alira spelled A-L-L-I-R-A. So if you did love this episode and love hearing from Alira, we would absolutely love for you to send this episode to a friend because that just helps us get the word out about our podcast. That is how we do our advertising. Thank you. Love you. Next week on the podcast, it's going to be the two of us. We're going to get really personal with you guys. And rather than talking about our business journeys, we're just going to be talking about our personal journeys and what has caused us to bring in this more spiritual and wellness aspect into our business that we're currently really excited about. Take a listen. I thought I was some sort of alien creature having these like terrible feelings. I thought there was something wrong with me. And I think that what you realize when you do finally open up to other people about this stuff, which is just so liberating, but you actually realize that we all have these same feelings. We all have a lot of these same thoughts. Yes, we have them in our own unique ways. And yes, we have our own unique circumstances. But at the base of it, these emotions, they're all just human. Well, we can't wait to have that chat with you guys next week, but we hope you have the most fantastic week. Take care of yourself. Do something nice for yourself. You deserve it. And see you next week. Bye. Bye.